the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. That's where you found mercy from God. God giving you something you don't deserve. The New Testament version, coming up next. In the Old Testament, God's mercy seat, where you found mercy, again, getting something from God you don't deserve, it was the Ark of the Covenant. That is where God would sit. Well, there's a new mercy seat, and it's found here in the New Testament, specifically John 20, verses 1 through 18. We invite you to join us as we explore the mercy seat here today on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard with today's broadcast. When you hear that term, mercy seat, uh, God told Moses, I want you to build a box, we'll call it the Ark of the Covenant, and I want you to put three things inside this ark. Overlay it with gold, put some cherubim that grow, that their faces were looked down the lid of it, made of gold. And inside of it, I want you to put Aaron's rod that budded. I want you to take some of the manna from the wilderness and put it in there. And I want you to put the broken law inside this box. And then he said, I want you to tell the priest for the nation, every year I want them to celebrate Yom Kippur. That little word Kippur is the Hebrew word for covering. Sometimes we make it mercy seat, covering seat. It's the word for atonement, a place to be covered. And I want the priest once a year to take a lamb that he set aside, like Exodus 12 we look, set it aside on the 10th of the month, the month of Nisan. And for three days, observe that lamb to see if it has anything wrong with its eyes, if there's any blemishes. It must not be blemished or the high priest will be killed. And then I want this high priest to go in, and he's got the outer court, he's got the inner court, and then you have this thick curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was, and nobody was to go in there who didn't take the blood of an innocent lamb or they'd be killed. What they did eventually, they learned to tie a rope around the priest in case God killed him. Because you couldn't go back and retrieve the body. The only way they could get him out of the Holy of Holies was to drag him out with a rope. 
So once a year, God said, I can only tolerate the human race. I can only tolerate you, Israel, if you shed fresh blood every year in front of me, but it will never get rid of sin. It's only giving you a time payment, but the balloon payment comes due at the cross. This is only buying you another 360 days. Another 360 days. So, it comes to the 14th of the month. This high priest, he must be without blemish. He must be washed. He must be as ceremonially clean as he can get. And God, in essence, says, my justice is looking down on a broken law. And once a year, I want you to put blood and sprinkle it right here. Let's say this is the lid. I want you to sprinkle the blood of this lamb all over. And the message is this. Underneath that blood is the law you broke, is the manna you despised, and the rod that budded when men questioned the authority of Aaron. And once a year, I'm going to pretend like this took care of your sin, because in the forbearance of God, he overlooked sin, but it never did get rid of it. He forbore. Romans 3. He just, I'll put it away. I'll put it away. And he said in Hebrews, can the blood of goats and animals ever get rid of your sin before God? Never. But he was illustrating, illustrating, sprinkle that blood. And so they named it the mercy seat, the ark of covering. And what is saying, we're offenders. We have sinned against God. And only somebody giving their life gives us a right to stay alive. It's the mercy seat. Now, I want to read to you a verse. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, where he says that Jesus Christ right now in heaven is our mercy seat. It says, my little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Think of it as a legal defense attorney. With the Father, Jesus the righteous. He is the propitiation or the mercy seat for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What used to be a piece of furniture has now been transferred to a person. And now the mercy seat that you run to is not a piece of furniture, but it's a risen Savior. Who has satisfied God's anger about your sins against his law about your running from him, about you ignoring him, about all of the sin problem we all live with. He said, he is the place where I can meet a guilty sinner and not have to destroy you. 
For when you come to Christ, you found the place where God's mercy overcomes justice. It satisfies justice and at the same time extends mercy. Listen to what 1 John 4.10 says. He says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the mercy seat, propitiation, the satisfactory payment. At the mercy seat, God smiles. I'm satisfied about the crime done against me. I've been fully paid. You know what's so terrible about our justice system? It's neither just nor merciful. It's become lousy. If you got the right lawyer, the guilty still goes free. And you can accuse an innocent man and have served 10 years before they find out the DNA proves he didn't do it. And so we imprison him. We neither restore him, for prison does not restore. It does not rehabilitate. It just teaches him more ways to be a criminal. Because you're corrupted by the population in that prison. But at the mercy seat, the judge of the universe said, I could set the captive, the criminal free, and I'm totally satisfied with a payment that is a thousand times, as it were, above anything ever required. For my son has become the place of mercy. Now, Look at Revelation, the same writer, John. Revelation chapter 5. He sees a scene, let me read it for you from verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. The lamb runs all the way through Scripture. We saw him in Genesis 4 for Abel. We saw him in Leviticus 16, a lamb for the nation. We saw him in Exodus 12, a lamb for a household, the Passover night. We saw the lamb in Isaiah 53, he shall be dumb like a lamb before the shearers. We see him in John 1:29, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And now we go and we kill the lamb. But now John sees a picture of where the lamb is now. He's up here. He's up here, and he's sitting on a throne. And he had been slain. No live lamb could ever save you. It has to be killed. Imagine what God was willing to do in order to save you. Kill the lamb. But the lamb was not just a lamb. He was also a son. You see, down in Egypt on the Passover night, they were trying to spare the eldest son. But at the cross, the eldest son died and the lamb died. They were both the same person. In order to save like a lamb, the son had to become a lamb. And he said, go ahead and slit the throat. I'll die for sinners. 
See, we, we got what they call a bloody religion. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We don't pull it out of our songbooks. We don't escape it because the blood equals the life. You aren't going to heaven free. You're going to heaven because a lamb died. A lamb was slain. But let me show you, brother and sister, the lamb isn't in the tomb. Make a trip to Israel, but I've been to that tomb that they suppose. It's somewhere around there. Don't look for the bones. They're just not out there. They're up here. They're up here. Now listen to what he says. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. Dead men don't stand. As though it had been slain, it had, with seven horns and seven eyes. That means complete perfection, complete power, complete omniscience, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, blood often in Scripture represents a vicious, violent death, not an ordinary death, a violent death. A lamb didn't die from old age. It died from the juggler being slit. The lamb can't get to the cross and just, I'm sick, I'm dying of a disease, so go ahead, I'll atone for sin. No, 33 years of age, at the prime of life, watched for three years, found no blemish in him, nothing wrong with him. This lamb is healthy, strong, omnipotent, but this lamb, as it were, will have the juggler slit, and he will die as a slain lamb. This is no cheap faith. It has not been cheap to forgive you of your sins. This is the When you sin, don't be quoting the Ten Commandments. I committed adultery. I stole. I did. Oh, yeah, 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 we did. The most atrocious thing that hits me in my sin is it cost my Savior his life to forgive me for it. See a slain Savior. That's what it costs for your sin. It's either Jesus or eternity separated from him. There's no other way. And he said, You've ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Let me tell you about the Exodus story. When they slew that lamb on the 14th of the month, and they were all dressed, ready to escape Egypt. They had their staff. They had the garments girded up. Come on, you're going to leave Egypt. You're going to leave Egypt. Imagine with you, if you will, we've eaten the meal, the Passover meal. We put the blood on the doorpost. And all of a sudden, we hear the ram's horn. We're leaving Egypt. 
We're finally going to inherit the land God promised Abraham. 430 years of slavery being treated like dirty dogs. We've been liberated. This lamb's blood worked. It worked. The death angel passed over. And now we hear the ram's horn. Let's get to packing. No more making bricks for Pharaoh. We're getting out. We're going to get our own property. We're going to get our own vineyards. We're going to get our own wells. We're going to get a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's go. And they start out. Imagine, just imagine, three days out in the journey. And all of a sudden, that little lamb they killed is traveling with them. They named their lambs, you know. They were household pets for the children. And whatever this lamb's name that the children... Could you imagine, three days on the journey, the lamb shows up? This can't be. We, 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 just, we just slew you back here. You can't make the journey with us. Our lamb rose again after three days. And he's making the journey with us. He's making the journey. One reason he told them to eat the lamb... Guess what? On this journey, you've got to keep eating on the lamb. He's the mercy seat that Randy ran to. A broken boy, a drug addict, a hoodlum, a boy that ought to have been in prison or killed. But guess what? He heard the voice of the mercy seat, and it wasn't a piece of furniture that talked to him. It was a risen, slain lamb. And today... We don't offer you a dead lifeguard. We don't offer a dead lifeguard. I never learned to swim well. One reason is I went to Nystrom. They sent me to the Richmond Plunge with about 300 other kids. How do you learn how to swim? It was just a miracle. You survived the lesson. All these kids dunking you and pushing you. And I used to walk down to the plunge from 6 in Virginia. That's where I learned to drown. <laughs> Anybody go to the plunge? Anybody? Look at there. This is the vintage people of this church. They grew up in Richmond. But you know, I often have said it would not be comforting if they had a plaque to the world's greatest lifeguard that died last year. And I'm drowning now. I'd just soon have a poor lifeguard that's alive than a great one that died. But I got, you know, I tell our staff, there's nothing great about Valley Bible. Nothing great. Weak preacher, weak congregation, sin, this. Please never, never brag on this church. But I'll tell you something. We've got the best God. We got the best lamb. We got the best message. We got the best Holy Spirit. We got the best Bible. You can't beat what we've got. Let's don't talk about us. Let's talk about the lamb. You can't get a better lamb. You can't get a better gospel. You can't get a better Christ. There's none better. And what do we do when we get our eyes off the lamb? We start to say, you know, I am pretty good. Oh, my, 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 my. 
is terrible when dirt gets stuck on itself. That's called mud. It's called mud. Let's brag on who is the best. He is the mercy seat. We're going to look at John today where he appeared to a woman. Get the tape from the first servants. I preached John 20. Get it. You can know what I'm supposed to preach. But after that song, how could I preach anything else? You need to come running to the mercy seat. And you know what happens at the mercy seat? Just as he said in the Psalms that justice and mercy have kissed each other. I heard an old preacher once say, at the cross, God brought his justice and he brought his mercy. And they got close enough to kiss each other. And he said, in the middle of the kiss was me. I got all the just payment of God against my sin. And at the same time, I walked away free. Because I found mercy. He's not treating us as our sins deserve. You know what ruins Christianity and church folks? You think we're getting to heaven because we go to church. I'm not making it to heaven because I attend church. I'm going to heaven because I've met Jesus at the mercy seat. I've had his blood applied. So I don't have to act religious. I don't have to act preachy. I'm just dressing up with all you Easter folks so I don't look shaggy. So my black brothers, I said, you ought to be the pastors. You outdress me every Sunday. <laughs> but, but the mercy seat. A man was with a boy at the candy store. He wasn't his boy, but they happened to be there. And it's like so many children, uh, our eyes are bigger than what we have in the pocket. Uh, when I went to Nystrom, I always bought mint juleps. That's why us Howard kids have no teeth left. A lot of dental work. We kept Guinness busy. All that penny candy. And uh, the boy was there at the candy store, and he began to want this, want that, and they began to put it in the bag. One of these more sophisticated stores. No mint juleps. Must have been a little higher standard. And uh, they got up there and rung it up. The boy had a quarter. It came to a dollar. And so uh, the clerk said, uh, that's a dollar. And the boy was scrambling. He finally, he pulled out, he, he uh, had that quarter. And the clerk said, well, you have to make up your mind. You get, well, what do you want? And all of a sudden, the gentleman there said, Never mind, son, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. What God did for you and I at the cross is he said, I've got you covered. For he made him to be my sin, that he might make me his righteousness. And when I showed up before God, I said, I'm naked, poor, and blind. I, I've run from you. I haven't wanted you. Probably if you didn't hang hell out there, I never would want you. Because if I could boogie without you, I would. Because I'm cool. I'm tough. I can make it. And he kept hanging judgment out here. You need a righteousness to get you into heaven. And boy, you don't have it. And so I finally appear before God. 
God, I want heaven, but I'm broke. Then he said, I've got you covered. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? Another note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 